Hey, hey, you are listening to Healing Broken Hearts Project Podcast, and we're kicking off the new year with a new series. As we dive into this year, we will begin to shed light on individuals whom fought to pursue their true passions in life. We will focus on their long and sometimes tumultuous paths that sculpted them into who they are today. The first episode of 2020, I interview Atlanta-based neo-photographer KP. Beginning with stories of photos snapped with a flip phone camera, we sit down to discuss his journey and how it sparked a career. We highlight his struggles and impactful moments throughout a 10-year span of his life, which pushed him to pursue this unknown passion in digital arts. How do you want to get started? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm following <laughs> your lead. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I've never been okay. interviewed before, so this is new to me. Okay. So have you, okay, we'll start with, have you listened or do you know at all a little bit about the podcast or the purpose of the podcast? Uh, I remember you mentioning the purpose of it. I haven't had a chance to listen yet. Yeah. Um, so the, well, at least for like this coming year, the purpose of the podcast is to share people's stories and kind of inspire them to like branch off and do their own thing. And um this series at least (laughs) so um last year we did a series where we just interviewed people's stories and we kind of talked about their journey um the struggles they've gone through how they overcame them and what they're doing now and um but this year I kind of wanted to focus a little more on the the journey but more so of like the positive stuff that's going on or like the dreams that you're pursuing and stuff like that so We'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, so you can start. So people are going to be listening to this, right? And so I guess go ahead and start with your story. Just like a little bit of background on who you are and where you're at. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Well, my name is Kyrie. Um, Originally from Springfield, Massachusetts. I migrated to Atlanta, Georgia in 2011. I've been here for nine years, and um, I want to say it's been four years since I started doing photography. It's been four years? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So is that when you started your, um, the Instagram too, where you had all your photos up? Yes. Um, it wasn't till last year that I really put a stamp on it, though. Um, that's when I launched my website, um, began to market myself and really share my work because I was always reluctant to do that. I just was sitting on like thousands of photos. Yeah. And I only posted like 40 of them. But now I post like once a day, once every other day, something like that. Yeah. Why do you think you were reluctant to post them at first? Um, well, I have, let me say I have, let me not say that. Um, Atlanta's filled with a lot of creatives, um, some more known than others. Um, there, there are a few very well-known photographers. And when I say very well-known, I mean like worldwide that live in the city. Okay. Um, so it was more so a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after allowing people to actually scroll through my portfolio, um, it kind of boosted me to share more mm-hmm. and you know obviously I had people in my ear telling me if you share more 
know, get more gigs and, you know, that type of thing. But I was still like, I don't know. I don't think I'm good enough yet. You know what I mean? Um, but in order to reach where I wanted to go, I had to get over that hurdle. So I just said, whatever. And I just started sharing off the whim. Yeah. yeah. And you're super talented, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Sure. I think it's crazy. Like, I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I think it's crazy how, like, a lot of times some of the things that get in our way is ourselves and, like, mm-hmm. fears of, like, what if, what if you're not good enough, this, that, and the other. And, like, For sure. I mean, I I see your stuff now, right, because I follow you and everything, but I can't imagine you not sharing it. So it's wild to think, like, had you not taken that step to just put yourself out there and kind of just right. take risks you wouldn't be where you are today. And it's, I don't know, for me, it's just crazy because I see like a lot of the pictures that you post and that you're sharing and like some of the gigs you're starting to pick up. And I'm just like, oh, that's sick. Like, I love photography. I love everything to do with art. So I think it's- Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. But um, how can I elaborate on that? So early last year, well, let me let me backtrack some. So two years ago was when I got my first. Well, I can't even call that my first real gig. Three years ago, I got my first real gig. I met somebody at Coachella, and their mom owns their own business, and she happened to be in Atlanta and needed a photographer. Random as hell, and they booked me for an entire day. I was nervous. I was on the set yeah. of a TV show. Like, like in my head, I'm like. Hope they don't know I have any experience, you know. What I mean? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you know, after I got comfortable and get to know the people that I was working with, like it became second nature. And then it wasn't work anymore. It just became me spending a day with some people and taking mm-hmm. some photos because that's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I don't think I had another gig for a long time. Um. But the following April, I was actually getting ready to go to Cali to go to Coachella. I had everything booked up. Um, I got a new camera that was smaller so I can, you know, sneak my way in. You know what I mean? Because you're not supposed to have professional cameras. But um, a friend of mine called me like maybe a week before I was supposed to leave and was like, hey, are you going to Coachella this year? And I was like, yeah. Are you going? Because she normally goes too. She was like, nah, um, and I was kind of hoping you weren't either. And I was like, wait, why? And she was like, I'm taking a birthday trip and I need a photographer. And I was hoping you would be able to go. So I'm like, at first I'm like reluctant because I already booked my trip to Coachella and I know how Coachella is. I love going. So I was like, you know, where are you headed? She said, Thailand. And I was like, say less. So I sold all my Coachella stuff within like a week and um I finished my way to Thailand and like those photos right there is really what pushed my confidence to the next level. Um like Atlanta's a, a big city, but it's not a walking city. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get redundant when it comes to places to shoot unless you're shooting in a studio. Mm-hmm. But being able to walk in a place where I've never been before in my entire life and come out with some very very powerful imagery was great like it was a great experience that's really uh, cool. yeah, yeah 
That's crazy. Oh, I don't, don't, let me, don't let me ramble, my bad. No, it's all good. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> cool, um, cool. It's, it's crazy because I went to Thailand too and like just Thailand in general is just this wild experience. It's just so culturally different <laughs> than the American culture. Sure. And I can't imagine like, so when I travel, I'm a little tentative on bringing my camera just because I know some photographers who've gotten their stuff stolen and everything but um mm. I had a friend who did like a random trip I think it was to China and ended up being there when there was like this um all that political stuff that was going on and was able to capture like these wild photos and just hearing you and knowing my experience with Thailand like I can't even imagine like just the experience of capturing just a new place and right. new culture. And um, yeah, that was just a random ramble. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but that's cool. So, okay. So what got you into photography aside from the fact that you enjoy it? Like, what right. was it? so it's, it's not a long story, but it, it's, it started some years ago so um and it was it was kind of like uh subconscious so mm -hmm. i want to say like 2007 or 8 you know i was in school um you know we freshly got camera phones what like two years prior and um i've always been heavily into sneakers so i'll never forget one day i was in the library and procrastinating and um I had on some gold Air Force Ones. I'll never forget it. And I'm just looking down at my feet and the shadows from the light or, or from the window um that it was casting on my shoes. I was like, that looks kind of cool. And not thinking anything of it, I just flipped my phone up and was like, click. You know, I just, I would do it like every day. Mm -hmm. And then um, you know, as I phones, camera phones started getting better, uh, you know, iPhones and whatnot. Um, obviously it's always on your person so I'm starting to see things different but not paying attention to the fact that I'm seeing things different like mm -hmm. I saw I'm on a road trip one time and I'm looking at a bench it's raining and you know the bench has the separations in the wood panels and there's like water droplets hanging there and I was like that was cool let me take a picture of it because it has a cool reflection on it and then I put an edit on it and then shared it on Facebook or something but I would do that often and people started to take notice, but they were just, you know, liking and commenting like, oh, this is a great photo. And still not thinking photographer because as yeah. I grew up, the only people I saw were photographers were like weird guys at basketball games or, you know, people come to your school to take your photos, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But um, a cousin of mine, um, he actually passed last year, it was kind of wild, but uh, he was like, yo, you ever thought about being a photographer? I was like, yeah, no. Like in my head, I'm like, that's lame. <laughs> I'm still trying to play, still trying to play basketball in college, bro. I'm not talking about cameras. Yeah. And then um, he was like, bro, you should definitely look in to pick up a camera. And I'm like, okay. So then, fast forward, I'm out here, and you know, you start meeting people and exchanging social media, and. Uh, people were introducing me as a photographer and I'm like, yeah, you gotta stop doing that because I don't have any equipment to, yeah. to shoot anybody's project. So 
I think it was like a year after that last time somebody introduced me as a photographer, I finally bit the bullet and, and bought a camera. Uh, I started with a Canon Rebel T6. And um, I went, and I have a mutual friend down here. She moved here maybe like a year after me. But she was also a photographer. And um, she was like, you know, let's go out and take some photos and let's, let's practice. So I'm like, okay. So we're on the photo walk and having a good time. And I'm thinking I'm, you know, doing good, but I'm getting frustrated with my camera because I still don't know how to use the manual settings at this point. And I just, I'm, re- I, I'm totally against setting it to automatic because I'm like, I want to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. So she saw my photos, you know, post shoot and was like, yeah, you should stick to shooting on an iPhone. <laughs> and that was like a spark. Like I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't handle that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to bust my ass to learn how to use the yeah. system. And I did. I used that for like a year. Um, I got some cool shots at Coachella that year, sneaking in my camera. <laughs> Not supposed to, but definitely got some cool shots. And then, um, yeah, after that, it was history. Like, I was, I knew I wasn't going to put it down. Yeah, you just got sucked in. For sure. Do you have like any photographers that you look up to or like really inspire you? Uh, yes. One in particular and then i got introduced to another by jamie forsberg oh <laughs> really yeah <laughs> so uh um the first one is devin allen is he's a baltimore-based photographer and he has the iconic time cover piece of the young man running from the uh, riot squad oh, um yeah. on the baltimore streets yeah so he caught all those, the uprising in Baltimore, and he continues to, you know, catch street shots of his city and document his city and athletes from his city. Like, he's doing really well. Um, and I really enjoy his style of photography. Um, the other who Jamie is comparing me to is Mel Cole. Okay. Um, very, very, very artistic, though. But, yeah, those are the two I look up to. Yeah. Because you have, I have friends who are photographers and I'm always fascinated what people choose to capture, the moments, the style, the editing. Mm-hmm. And your, your style is specific. Like you can, I feel like for the, and which I think is a good thing that you can look at your, the photos that you're uploading and you can mm-hmm. kind of figure out like, oh, I know who these are shot by because they have a similar vibe. They have, you know, like it's like your signature. Is cool. there like what led up to that style and if you could just describe your style for those who don't know (laughs) okay all right so editing my editing I guess that's my strong point um you know I'm learning new things about my camera every day and that's not to say that um that doesn't make me any less professional I feel like to be more professional you have to keep progressing in your craft this should mm-hmm. never be a ceiling. But um, editing came from Instagram coming into play, honestly. Yeah. Um, so like 2011, 12, I was really heavy on filtering my photos and trying to make them look different from everyone else's on social media, even though social media didn't even have that big of a, um, an impact on anything at that point. Um. And then it progressed 
when I started using computer software is because in my early days of shooting, I would do too much. Like I wanted it to look natural, but I wanted it to look, I wanted the colors to always be very, very vibrant mm-hmm. and I would burn out my photos. So one of my friends actually, um, his name is Derek. He's a photographer also. Um, he was just like, you know, don't go so hard on the edit. Go harder on trying to perfect the shot from the camera. That way, when your edit comes out, it doesn't look too aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then I started establishing my own presets. And once I learned how to do my own presets, it kind of just went up from there. Um, the reason I choose the way I edit is because I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of color. I'm just not a fan of very, very, I don't know how to explain it. Cause I don't want to sound like the dark guy, but I like monotone isn't the right word either, honestly. Um, I never had to explain this before. Give me a second. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough when you have to like break it down to someone. (laughs) It is. I never thought about this. Because no picture is ever the same. I I can't tell you. I I say I create my own presets because it turns into a filter, right? And Mm -hmm. I'll use that same filter for um, a certain scenery, right? I won't change it per photo, but I can never repeat the same thing twice. Mm. So I guess my aim is to create a mood and a feeling in the edit. So it really depends on what type of photo. Like I have a photo of a, a toddler and he is on the sidewalk he had a bottle of water and he poured it out. So it made a puddle. And his dog started, you know, drinking the water out the puddle. So mm-hmm. in his dog drinking the water, he decides to reach down and explore the puddle also. You know what I mean? So yeah. not to take away from the essence of what was taking place in the image, I put it in black and white. So that, that way you're just, okay, he's experiencing something new. Not so much like, oh, look at his clothes or, you know, that wall behind him looks nice. It's like, oh, the focus of this photo is capturing this kid experiencing this puddle. Yeah. You know, in this, like rubbing the puddle on the cement. But I I don't think I can describe or put a name to the type of edit I have. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you did a good job describing like your it seems like your aim is to create a mood to yeah. to evoke a kind of emotion or connection to the pictures that you're um, releasing for the world to see. And yeah. you don't like it, like you're always seeking something new and something different. So it's not repetitive. It's not the same that you've seen already before, which, which I think is one of the things that happens is we get saturated with so much content and it ends up being a lot of the same, that it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to, at least for me, come across a lot of 
talented artists who are doing something different because everyone's doing the same. Like everyone's using the same style or the same shot. Or like for me, like I draw, everyone's doing the hashtag draw this in your style. Or, you know, like there's all these mm-hmm. like, um, what do you call it? Like just, what's the word? trends I guess is the best way to describe it and then everyone kind of goes with it and then it's like oh yeah you're just doing the same thing that so-and-so just did yesterday so where you're trying to break away from that (laughs) right so I try to like when I when I capture an image I try to use different locations that one normally wouldn't use so Mm -hmm. I'll be in my car and like I love driving. One, two, Atlanta is very spread out, so you you have to drive. It's, it has you know public transportation, but walking is kind of to a minimum. Like you kind of have to go to an area and walk in that area, and then, you know, get in your car and go to another area. So as I'm driving, I spot locations, and I'll put them in a the note. So I have like a notepad of like 150 locations that I haven't even touched yet. <laughs> Like, um, I've probably gone to, like, maybe five of them. <laughs> it's kind of wild. I, it makes you wonder, like, why do you make the list in the first place? Yeah. But it's like a, I guess it's like something to have in the back pocket type situation. Because mm-hmm. if there if there ever comes a time where I get a place, place I'm going to shoot at and I come across an image of somebody who already went there, I won't go. Mm-hmm. Or I'll go if I have to and I'll finesse it to make it look like it's not the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's my goal. Definitely my goal. Also, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you got it. Go ahead. <laughs> um, also, don't want, how can I say it? Like, I feel like a lot of the things we do nowadays are really um, super attached to social media and social interaction, right? Mm-hmm. But my goal in taking the photo isn't really the recognition. Like, I just want to be able to go different places and take the photos. Yeah. Just having that privilege is cool to me. Like, I can care less if I get a thousand likes on Instagram. Like, you can't ever take away me going to shoot in a pit at a music festival. That's never going to be taken away from me. So, I feel like a lot of people are... Not a lot of people, but a few people I've come across and interacted with had, are going at it for the wrong reason, and mm-hmm. they're wondering why they're not getting any better. And it's like you said, they're trying to keep up with the trend instead of just blazing their own trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that because that's like my personality to a T. And it's funny, like I, well, in high school, I didn't really have much style but <laughs> as I've got, we all grow. <laughs> as I've gotten older I find that I lean towards certain things that I wear or that I even do on a day-to-day and mm. for me it's always about intentionally being different than everyone else like I don't want to wear you know high-waisted jeans because all the chicks started wearing high-waisted jeans again like and it's just been it's something that irks me is like when everyone does something because everyone else is doing it so um I respect that you do that too because I totally get it 
Like I'm, I'm the same exact way. And it's, I mean, it's sad too that, that a lot of people find comfort in doing what everyone else is doing. You know, like they, I think super random thought, but I think one of the biggest things that our country struggles with is identity and people kind of yeah. finding who they are um, and pursuing that. It's like a lot of people like cling on to others and what they're doing and others' identities kind of trying to make it into their own. And um, you miss out on a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's kind of wild. And I, I've seen it firsthand with a couple of people, but you can't, like you try to give them that advice, like, or they come to you for advice, but then like they keep coming to you for the same advice. And it's like, clearly you don't want, you don't want it that bad because you're trying to do, you know, it's not necessarily reinventing the wheel, but you're pushing the same wheel over and over again. Like at least yeah. change the style. Of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But. So um, I was gonna ask, what are your favorite shots to take? Because I've seen a lot of you like to take candid shots. Very What's much. Your favorite. Yeah. Um. And, oh my bad. Go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say we've already talked about this, but for everyone else, like just going into why you like candid shots. All right. So. I've been big on challenging myself, especially when it comes to things that I don't really have control of, right? Mm -hmm. So me being at an event, walking down the street, party, whatever, like moments only last for so long, you know what I mean? And you kind of have to have a certain type of patience or a certain level of patience to chill and wait for that right moment like anybody could stand there and just you know push the button on the camera yeah. and the person you know can get captured but say i'm at a party right um i'll give an example a real example i, I had to shoot a, a birthday party in like september and it was celebrity themed like everybody dressed up like whoever they felt like um and, and my goal when I went to the party, I asked them first, I was like, first, can I shoot my style? Like, do you just want clean shots or can I shoot the way I want to shoot? And I'm like, oh no, you have free reign to shoot the way you want to shoot. So I'm like, cool. I'm gonna make this look like this is some Hollywood, you know, exclusive function where nobody has access to. So I'm I'm in the middle of the dance floor, you know, everybody's dancing, I'm kind of vibing in, in between. And as people are in their element, you know, I'm right there with them, taking yeah. pictures as they're going, you know? But we're on the same wavelength. It's not like I'm the photographer, they're the party goer. Like we're both the party goer and I'm just happening to capture this for later. Yeah. As opposed to just experiencing it and remembering it. But it, it feels good to immerse myself in things like that, especially because I'm not the, the type to approach people. So it mm -hmm. kind of breaks the ice for me. Um, yeah. Like usually when I capture a person in public and I don't know them, I'll shoot the picture without even asking a question. They'll be like, oh, did you take a picture of me? And then I'll show it to them and they'll be like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> how, how can I get this photo? And I'm like, oh, you know, da, da, da. And that's how I built my network. I have a couple of friends that do uh, club promotion. And that, that's good practice, even though I hate shooting in the club because everybody's doing the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's good practice to be swift on the trigger. 
mm-hmm. that way when you get to the real game, then you're you're already prepared and comfortable. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Like I can't it it just goes to show how different even city to city is because I live here in San Diego and um it's just not the same culture, you know, like you don't really see at least I haven't really noticed a lot of people that are just going around like shooting photos or even in the mm-hmm. club, like whereas like back home, I remember like some of the clubs we'd go out like downtown, they'd have a photographer who'd take a photo of like the crew and right. the, the whole experience. But I haven't really right, right. seen that out in San Diego. So I can only imagine just how different it must be in Atlanta. <laughs> just the scene. Yeah, it's, it's super Hollywood. So yeah. like there's there's major companies that are specifically booked to come to clubs and you know get atmosphere shots. Like I was told that my shots were too artsy to be used for club photos and club websites. And that's weird because it would be photos I didn't even edit. It was just ones I just caught in the moment and just left them the oh, way wow. they were. Yeah. So th- that was kind of demoralizing at first, but then I was like, okay, that's different. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to fall into the norm, um, and be a club photographer mm-hmm. under anybody's umbrella. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely, definitely love candles. I feel like it catch, captures people in their rawest form, especially when they don't know it's it's taking place. Yeah, those and are my favorite. Feel, you can feel the vibe of what was taking place in the room just by simply looking at the photo. Mm. Yeah, that's true. What do you, how do you make sure you just maintain true to yourself? Because like you're saying, you know, you've taken shots at clubs and they're like, nah, like that's not what we're looking for. You know, you have people giving you feedback, I'm sure, giving you opinions. So how do you continue to make sure you stay true to the trail that you're blazing for yourself and not be so um, diluted by everyone around you? Um. First, I don't want to be lumped into anything. Um, like, I feel photography here, and it's like a running joke. It's like the new rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's becoming a photographer because they're seeing that it can get you in these places that most people aren't supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. So like, they want to go to free concerts. They want to go to, you know, the club for free. They want to travel for free, which is all cool goals to have. But that can't be your reason behind it. That's yeah. going to, there's like a lack of creativity in that. Um, I do it because obviously it's genuine love. But what, what keeps me to be able to separate myself is the, the love of the journey. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy trying to figure out my way into these places to get these photos because I'm not always invited. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I have to backdoor myself or purchase my way in. Like, this isn't just me going to a show and shooting for an artist. Like, I wasn't, you know, most of, this, most of the time, I'm not booked for stuff like that. Um, so mostly it's just me living my life and just capturing these moments to remember and they just happen to be art, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That actually doubles back to another reason why I was so reluctant to share my photos. They were very personal. 
Because they were what? Like, very personal. Like I still, uh, I still yeah. hold on to a lot. I think I only have what a hundred and some change on Instagram, and I in my portfolio as a whole, I have probably five thousand plus photos. Yeah. And I shoot at least three times a week. Really? Yeah. yeah. So what? Um... Just, Go ahead. <laughs> oh my bad. Uh, yeah, just just you know the the what to capture memories from myself is what keeps me different from everybody else. What about the photos is is really personal? Like because okay, right? There's people who just snap photos in the moment, you know, of and they don't think twice about it. Um, mm. And there's like, like when I travel, I take like 400 photos in like an hour. Just, I just love <laughs> taking photos. Like it's out of control. And, um, but for me, there are certain situations or certain photos that might be a little more personal than others. But I mean, you're going out like three times a week. So you're, you're shooting a lot. And so what is it about the photos that's so personal to you that someone might not necessarily identify with who might not take photos themselves okay. if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah so so like I was describing for the canvas how I like capturing people in the rawest moment and the rawest emotion like as I said I immerse myself in these events too so it's not just a one-sided exchange like I'm experiencing what they're experiencing on a personal level also yeah so like say a song comes on and it resonates with me and I'm in my head, I'm vibing and I turn and I see somebody, you know, vibing just as, just as much as me, but like in my head, I know what the song means to me. So it makes me wonder like, Oh, you know, what's the song mean to you? Yeah. Or what's this moment mean to you? So when I take a photo, I remember how I felt when I took it oh. or what was taking place when I took it. Yeah. So like a lot of, a lot of, I'll say 90% of my photos have a, a, a good backstory. Some of them are random. Mm -hmm. And then others are, you know, staged because they were they were shoots. But like 90% of them, I can say, is just me like standing in a crowd. And if you if you could ever get the chance to witness me shoot, like most times I'm standing there smiling because the energy in the room is so cool to me. Like yeah. I could feel all of it. And the fact that I'm able to to capture it like that's what makes it personal for me like oh man nobody else got this but me yeah. it feels good like i'm gonna hold on to it and then i'm like oh, all right i'll share one you can have one <laughs> yeah that's really cool it's almost like the way you're describing it is like every picture is like a little piece of you right okay and i don't it's it's so interesting because i love taking photos but i've never connected to photography to the level that you're explaining it which for mm -hmm. me just like I don't know it just goes to show how much more to photography there is that I can't even imagine you know because for me the things that like make me feel like they're a part of me you know like it's like air that I breathe is like when mm -hmm. I snowboard like when I go snowboarding and mm -hmm. like just everything about it just it just feels so natural and, you know, in the moment and there's just like this connection. So 
I can relate in understanding the feeling, but I've never had it with photography, which is interesting because I really love taking photos, but have just never been that immersed in it. So it's really cool. <laughs> um, I think another part of that aspect, wait, hold that question though. Mm-hmm. Get that question. So, <laughs> I won't, I won't. <laughs> another part of the reason why I approach it the way I do is because when I was young, my grandfather, you know, you know, old school guy, he kept a Polaroid camera around his neck. And he was he was always taking pictures of the family, always taking pictures of the grandkids. It, it didn't matter what was going on. He was, oh, I got to get a picture. Put it in a photo album. But, you know, once he, you know, wasn't able to physically get up and do things like he was used to, that aspect kind of, you know, went to the wayside. And then once he passed, like, it, it went with him but I realized like nobody else is picking up this torch like who else is going to carry you know like what are my kids going to look back on they're not going to see any pictures of me as a kid I mean they are but like, I, there could have been way more if I had this mindset when I was younger you know what I mean yeah. so that also keeps me with the camera in my hand like everywhere I go and you bring it everywhere so, with you everywhere it never I, whenever I leave the house it's in, it's in the car yeah that's cool. That's crazy. Sure. Um, so you've been shooting for how long now? It's been like so two solid years, but you started like about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Four, five years okay. ago. Um, so how would you so <laughs> so many thoughts? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be me if I wasn't a little awkward. Um, no, be yourself. I appreciate it. <laughs> Obviously, every experience you have in your life affects you and influences you, your journey, the things you capture, your style, etc. And mm-hmm. so, how would you say, like, these past 10 years, like before you started photography, your beginning adventures, and where you are now, how has that? just change and like influence your photography, influence growth within yourself? Think about that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll say when I first moved to Atlanta, probably like that first year and maybe like the third and fourth year being here were very rough. Like I didn't, didn't enjoy my living situation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sharing space is never fun. So in doing that, I was always out exploring. Um, I've always been a fan of big cities. Like, you know, we're from the, the like downtown is like one tall building. <laughs> I mean, it looks nice. Don't get me wrong, but it's very, it's very gritty. It's very raw. Like, And then when we're kids, we don't get to explore it because our parents are like, oh, it's so bad outside. So you got to mm-hmm. stay close. I'm like, okay. So I've always been fascinated with, you know, things that are bigger than me. Like something that always has me been fascinated. Right. So me not liking my home situation and throwing the mix that I didn't have a vehicle at first. So I'm always walking around. Like I'm seeing all this extravagant stuff and not thinking anything of it. It's just like, oh, that's cool. I'll see it tomorrow though. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'll see it tomorrow though. 
never going up and analyzing it and dissecting it to make it my own personal experience. It was just like, oh, I see it, how everybody else does. Like, mm-hmm. but then I started to realize that I was. Once I noticed that, I started to realize myself even taking that minuscule stuff, like seeing some, seeing like a, um, like a monument and remembering and, and really analyzing how I feel in the moment. And it's like, all right, how can I capture this? How can I spin this? How can I tell the story? That's all. That's another thing I've always been good at is telling stories. Like people sound very long-winded. So like, can I tell a story in this photo if I take it? If I do take it and I don't have a story right now, can I make up a story later? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. But like that I say is how my journey most experience, most amplified my experience with the, with the camera. Um, on a positive side of it though, like it's just, it just goes back to that, that um, documentation that my grandfather instilled in me. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of stuff I experience, I go through dolo because one, people don't like doing a lot of stuff or they're always busy. And two, people here are, are bougie. I'm not, I'm not even gonna try to cover that. <laughs> so like, I try to avoid that type of stuff. And in avoiding it, you know, your circle gets really, really small. Mm-hmm. Um, and also don't like forcing interaction. So when I can't find anybody to kick it with, I kick it alone. And when yeah. I kick it alone, I see things different because, you know, you're not sitting there, like if you're on a date or something, you're not locked into any individual. Like mm-hmm. you kind of just sitting in a room and just, observing and taking everything in you know what i mean so that also plays a played a major major role in why i look at um things i capture the way i do yeah for sure yeah and i love what you said with i think like you were explaining like we there's so many experiences that are out there for us to to explore to um just step out of our comfort zone and it's so natural at least even in my upbringing for people to be like oh yeah that's cool but tomorrow's another day right and so you you keep doing that over and over and over again and never going out to just even you know just come face to face with whatever it is you thought was cool and it's like even living in San Diego I've been living here I think for almost two years and I was driving down a street and I'm obsessed with street art. Like I love art murals. I'll, I'll take pictures of all of them. And I just love just roaming the streets and like seeing how people have tagged the walls and like the stories that it says and all that. And mm-hmm. I kept driving by this like one section and like, oh yeah, no, one day, one day I should, one day, one day. And like one day <laughs> I was like, I just need to go do this. And I just randomly parked my car and just started like, you know, walking around for like 30 minutes taking photos. But um, we do that way too much. Like, I think people come up with way too many excuses on not doing stuff and leaving it for tomorrow and leaving it for tomorrow and end up missing out on so much like sick stuff that's out there for us to enjoy. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, 
it's interesting too because I, we have been talking about this earlier i i'll do anything by myself and um one of the biggest things I notice when I travel by myself, because like I'll go surf or, you know, roam the streets or go to Mexico or just wherever I can. I'm just always seeking like something new. Mm-hmm. And um, I had watched this like rom-com and the storyline in the rom-com was to look up, right? Like every day people are on their phones, they're looking down, they're like mm-hmm. not even connecting to people next to them. It's just in this whole moment and they miss out on so much and so it's crazy when I am by myself I remind myself to look up and I see like you just see so much more that you don't realize if you're not paying attention to actually look around your surroundings right right yeah right um my bad can I I retort to that yes you can (laughs) cool but yeah like I agree with you on the whole looking up thing a lot but now is for me it's getting to the point where you know obviously people are taking notice to the fact that I'm a photographer so when they're out with me they pay attention more to how I'm interacting with an environment than interacting with it themselves yeah like and that's weird because I try not to pay attention to it but I I don't get it I don't I don't understand their fascination with my fascination Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that makes sense it's it's uncanny to me well I was going to say too I think sometimes when people don't I think people admire what you do right I think I think people admire the fact that you have this way of perceiving the world in a way maybe they yet have yet to experience for themselves and so sometimes when people are inspired by other people, they look to them to be like, provide me what you have, you know, like whatever you're doing, like I want that. And a lot of the times it's super easy, you know, it's something simple, but I I mean, just random. I almost wonder if that's like why they're so fascinated with everything you do just because of, because you connect to it so much, like you're vibing with your environment, you're in your own element. And um, a lot of people don't live life that way. Just like, just enjoying literally everything around them, everything they see, every interaction. A lot of people, it's just like come and go in and out, disconnected right. from all of their senses. So. Yeah, those blinders are, I'm gonna come in, look the part, mm-hmm. record what I need to record and leave. Like I, I remember this two weeks ago, um, I was, at this event, like a fashion panel or something like that. And I couldn't get inside. Like it was me and my my, my little brother. We couldn't get inside. And um we were gonna leave, but I was like, why? Like let's just chill out here and see what mm-hmm. see what happens, right? So this guy walks up, him and his him and his little entourage or whatever, it was like two or three other people. Um and they were some Instagram influencers from New York. Mm-hmm. But like what he said was like one, you're from out of town, so your mindset shouldn't even be this. But he said, "Oh, let's just get a picture of the crowd, a picture of the sign, and then we can leave, and we can say we're here." And I'm like, "What is the fun in that? Like, you paid all this money to come down here, and I'm not saying that you came down here specifically for this event, but like, you're here. This is one, it's a networking opportunity." 
two, like, even if you don't network, there's hella good conversation that, you know, take place mm-hmm. with all these people, you know, all these, all these different mindsets who have, you know, like, like interest, but different ways of going about it. Like, you know, I feel like interacting in those type of situations, that's when you learn the most. So for him to hear, for me to hear him say that and it, you know, deem himself as an artist or, you know what I mean? Or, um, stylist, what have you, whatever he was, whatever his, his angle was, like that kind of, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. I would have like, that's the whole influencers, social media influencers, what, you know, whole thing that they have going on, I think is probably one of the more frustrating things because I've met, so Healing Broken Hearts is a nonprofit that I started. So because of that, I try and connect myself with other people who are doing good in the community, who are, you know, just trying to make a positive impact. And I've come across people who are called influencers, you know, just like do good influencers or um, doing good socially in the environment, et cetera. And they suck. Like you can't even have a conversation (laughs) with them or they're not, you know, they say that they're there to make a positive impact, yet they're not connecting with everyday people who aren't part of their circle. It feels Mm -hmm. like at least the couple interactions I've had up in LA, because I go up to LA for events and stuff, like you try and have conversation like normal people and you can tell that they're specific to the people they're talking to, to having this image, to this lifestyle, you know, like in Hollywood and like the red carpet and the cameras and look at me and I'm over here. And and it's, it's probably one of the things that pisses me off the most because I'm big on like genuine conversation and connection. Like I feel like there's so much crap that goes on in our world that could be avoided if we just sat and had a conversation and actually took the time to listen. And here are these people who have, who knows how many followers are claiming themselves as influencers and you're in the same room as them. And you're just like, you're impacting people. Like what, you know, like you're, you're part of the problem. So it just, that, it irks me. <laughs> it sure. irks me. Yeah. For sure. And these people really think they're like celebrities. Like, yeah, I can see, I can see if you walked down the street and there was thousands of people hounding you for attention and you know mm-hmm. autographs and photos and whatnot. But if you're just coming into an environment where it's chill, everybody's relaxed, like the fact that you're a little more known than them. I mean, I don't see the harm in genuinely interacting with somebody. Yeah. Um. And there, there are some influencers out there that will interact. Uh, you know, I, you know, going through what I'm going through, I've been able to interact with some very key people, as far as like you know, fashion and music go. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I don't see the need to share the fact that I interact with this individual because it's not the the lesson I learned wasn't for everybody. You know, what I mean? yeah. it was for me specific. So. Like when people ask, like, you know, who do you, who have you worked with? I'm like, why does that matter? Like, yeah. you see my, you see my content. Why does it matter who I've done business with in order for you to do business with me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Or even simply, uh, I wouldn't say befriend, but, you know, uh, interact with me. Like, I, I've been out a few times and, uh, 
I run into people, you know, I, I went to this Red Bull event end of last year and there's another photographer big in hip hop named Gunnar Stahl, right? So he put out a book around the same time and they, they had blown up the images like huge. And um, they put them in like a gallery setting and I was in there and I was chilling, you know, and I see people, I pay attention to people and how they interact with others. So that's how I know who to speak to and who, you know, not to bother wasting my time with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you interact with people and they come off as genuine, but then they're really not. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I was kind of, not to a point where I wanted to give up, but it was just adding to, the, to, the, to my reasons for you know, keeping to myself for the most part. But then I want to say two weeks ago, yeah, it was the same event where uh, that that influencer said that, that crap about oh, we, you know, we were just here. Yeah. Um, my brother he saw a girl like just you know standing off into the crowd. He was like, "Yo, you should get a picture of her." I don't know if he knew who she was. I know, I know for sure. I didn't know who she was. I'm like, all right, whatever. So she comes up. We we take the photos or whatever, and the vibe was cool. Um, between all three of us, so rightfully so, it's a Saturday night. I was like, hey, you know, what are you guys doing later? And most people don't answer that question because they, you know, they're so protective of their circle or they feel like their circle's too exclusive for you to be part of, mm-hmm. right? And here this very prominent young lady is, and she, like, I'm, you know, when I asked her the question, she said, oh, I'll let you know. And I was, you know, just took it with a grain of salt, like, okay, whatever. But she actually came back around and was like, oh, you know, we're about to go to this party. Y'all should come. And I'm like, what? You know, it just took me back for a second. And my brother was looking at me like, really? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, you want to go? We can go. And he's like, yeah, cool. So we ended up kicking it with them for the rest of the night. And now we're like developing a real friendship like with this person. Like, And it's dope. I had to tell her the other day, like, you know, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, even though you're in this industry, and you're at the level you're at that you're still humble and normal cool, because yeah. you understand where you came from. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Most people don't act like they had a rough beginning. And mm-hmm. and even if they didn't, like, you weren't, you know, prominent your whole life. You had to work your way to get there. Yeah. So yeah. why not not necessarily give people handouts or, you know, give them the ladder to get up to the top, but guide them some some type of way. Like, if I ask you for advice... You, I mean, it's one thing if you don't have it, you can simply say, you know, I don't really feel comfortable explaining that to you because I don't understand it fully myself. But mm-hmm. for somebody to completely dismiss you for no reason, it, it's kind of off-putting. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think have been some of the struggles that you've faced in your journey in photography and in life? I feel like I'm being redundant, but my biggest struggle as it relates to photography with life was interacting with new people um, in settings that weren't the norm. Like, okay, I go to work, I befriended my employees or my coworkers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or I'm in school and I became friends with my classmates. That, those are like givens, you know what I mean? At least for the, the norm, for lack of a better word. But Oh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> it's okay. We've been talking for a while. <laughs> right. So that lack of, I feel like I'm making this term up, but social confidence, 
um, really took away from what my photography could have been in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, and the reason was because, you know, I would see things and people that I would want to take pictures of, but I'm like, how would they feel if I just walked up to them? And yeah, yeah. Face and just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get cussed out. <laughs> right, I don't want I don't want anybody to break my camera. Like I always think the worst. But um as I started navigating or learning to navigate, because I definitely had to learn how to navigate the types of people I wanted to capture, mm-hmm. it became easier. And it's still not a hundred percent. Like I I'm still very reluctant to walk up to a person like, hey bro, like or hey, you know, <laughs> let me take a picture of you and your friends, ladies, like so, and that's, I think that, that that also feeds into another reason why I like handed so much because I can do it from a distance. Mm. So it's like, it's like safety net, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So me, me talking has, or my lack thereof has, and I feel like that's been my biggest damper on life and photography. I feel like I missed out on a lot of opportunities by not talking, but at the same time, I have this belief that everything comes when it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like, and that goes with anything. It could be a lesson. It could be, you could be running on E with your bank account for forever. But as soon as that bill comes, like something's going to shake to where you're going to have that money in the pocket to cover it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I never, I never force interactions with anyone. Like, I'll just tell myself, like, I need to interact with that person. Or I want to interact with that person. And I figure out, I figure out, even if it takes me months to get in a room with this person, not even one-on-one, just enough to introduce myself. Because I feel like people rely on social media so much that they forget that it takes away from the understanding the true passion of somebody's intent or the true the person's intent in general not even the passion of it so it's like i can i can reach out or example if i didn't know you and you reached out to me asking me to do this podcast right Mm -hmm. but in my head i'm like "Mm, i don't know how how we're gonna interact i don't know she her reason behind this podcast i don't know it's gonna go and i got all these questions you know what i mean but if i met you in person i feel like I can get that energy reciprocation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or even if we spoke on the phone, I can get that energy reciprocation because I, I can I can see your facial expressions. I can hear the inflection in your voice. You know what I mean? I can I can read your body language as opposed to me trying to decipher what you're trying to, you know, or the emotion you're trying to pass through a message. So people get discouraged a lot by that. And you would think I would too because I don't like to talk. So that should be safe enough <laughs> for me to to text, but it feels so much better interacting with somebody, you know, face to face, especially in person. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And it when you read things too, you read things from your perception, and like mm-hmm. you're saying, if you don't know the person, it's hard to kind of get an idea of do they just yell at me? Are they getting sassy? Or is that just chill and laid back? (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. I was going to say, I was curious to know, I want to know what happened. You don't, you do not have to share at all, but I was Mm -hmm. curious to know what happened 
in the was it the beginning of last year? Oh, the whole oh, face thing. But I was <laughs> curious, and I was like, I don't know how to ask, and I was like, I don't know if I should just be direct. But what if he doesn't want to talk about it? And this whole, you know. I think talking about it has helped me get past it because yeah. it it normalized it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, so I play basketball. That's my like mm-hmm. first life passion. Um, I mean, obviously nowadays I just do it just because it's fun and I want to stay in shape, but I play in the men's league um, here in Georgia and we had a playoff game. I want to say this was April 13th last year. Yep. So in a playoff game, it's, I want to say it was a super competitive game. Actually, yes, it was. We were going back and forth pretty heavy. Um, good defense, great offense from both teams. Um, and as men, like every guy knows, like when you're competing in something, it doesn't get chippy, but you guys, you know, you run your miles, you know, it never it never gets taken out of context or anything like that. But um for some reason the refs didn't have any control over the game. Like they weren't calling fouls. So people were getting real frustrated. Um and my team was on offense, one possession, and our big man, he's like six five, six six, mm-hmm. but he's not like slim. He's a heavy set guy. Uh, and he went to the basket to attempt a shot and got fouled hard enough to knock him to the ground. So when he got up, he was going to go fight the dude who fouled him. But people from both teams began to hold him back. And um, the guy he was going to go after was going to hit him anyway while he was being restrained. So I was like, all right, you know, analyze the situation. Everybody's angry, but nobody's really trying to fight. Nobody, there's no crazy commotion going on yet. Let me aid in stopping this fight because I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the guy who was going to hit my teammate was in front of me. And mm-hmm. I grabbed him like around his arms and I didn't do anything but turn around. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. rightfully so, he tried to get out. Um, I guess he thought I was trying to like slam him or whatever. I don't know. But he threw an elbow and he missed. And then when he turned around, he threw a punch and it missed. And then he realized I, I like put my hands up and I was like, hey, bro, like that's not what it is. We just trying to hoop. And he was looking confused, but you could tell he wasn't angry anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, my guard was completely down. I'm, I'm just standing there like, okay, whatever happens next is cool because, you know, we're not fighting. Yeah. But his brother was like on the opposite side of the court. So all he saw was somebody to put hands on his family mm-hmm. and rightfully so he ran up, but he sucker punched me, um, blind side of me and hit me on my right side and it broke my jaw here and here, like completely separated my chin from my face. Basically. Yeah. Um, this side was compound, so the bone was sticking out. Um, inside my mouth, and this side here was just a clean break. Um, 
So obviously I get rushed to the hospital. I didn't know my, my jaw was broken. I thought I just thought I lost teeth. Mm-hmm. Um but the doctor immediately knew what was up. She was like, uh she didn't even I didn't take any x-rays or anything. She walked in and I didn't know what I looked like at the time because I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't hurt. And like I had I was like holding my face like this. Yeah. And um I had a cut on my face, so they were stitching it up. And I guess when they were stitching it up, my mouth was hanging like extremely awkward. I just couldn't tell. Yeah. So my friends, like my uh, one of my homegirls and my cousin were in the, the room with me and they're looking like, I'm like, but I'm in a good mood. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just happy that I made it out of there and I'm trying to, I'm in a good mood, trying to keep them in a good mood because yeah. I know if they're nervous, I'm going to be messed up too. So um, it's crazy how analytical I am, even in a, in a, bad, a bad spot. But mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, they transferred me hospitals. So I left the first hospital I went to. They sent me to the trauma unit. Like we got the like the best trauma unit in the city is like this hospital downtown. Sent me there. Um, and just still don't know what my face looks like because mm-hmm. we haven't taken any X-rays, just CAT scans and stuff. Um, so that that Sunday they put in they wrapped like a, a temporary wire under around my molar. And then, like, around one of my front teeth to keep this side from mm-hmm. moving. Um, and then for a week. So from that, that's it took place on Sunday. I went that whole week. I went back to the hospital maybe four times. The first time I went back that Monday because the wire broke. And they didn't tell me that the wire was going to break. Um <clears throat> So I'm sitting in the emergency room because it's like stabbing my gun. I'm, I'm not even in any pain from the break. Like, yeah. it's just it's just weird because I can't eat. I can't talk. You know what I mean? So the oral surgeon comes down. <laughs> this is crazy. Oral surgeon comes down. And I'm sitting in the, the trauma unit and all the nurses know me already because I've been there, you know, two days in a row at this point. Yeah. So the nurse she's like you know can I see in your mouth and I'm nervous because I'm like yo nobody's touched this yet so I don't want anything crazy to happen so I guess she assumed that they reset the fracture oh instead of just asking me so not knowing what she was doing I'm cringing right now (laughs) not knowing what she was doing she reset the fracture like no pain meds, no nothing. Like just reset it. Boom. And I spazzed out. And when I tell you this lady, like, she just left me. Like she went back to her unit and like ran away scared. Like, and um <clears throat> the nurses heard me and they're like, Yo, where'd she go? And they're like, my my homegirl's with me. Cause my mom hadn't gotten in town yet. She's like, Oh, she came over here and she grabbed his face and she just yanked it. Like you can hear it. It sounded like Somebody threw a book, like, like loud as hell. Yeah. And, uh, or I, I wouldn't say throw a book. That's extreme. But, like, hit a ping pong ball, like, mm-hmm. with a good hit. Like, something like that. And um, they're like, oh, no. So they go call her. They call her back down. They dope me up on morphine. And that was the first time I felt pain from this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say I go back again either the next day or that Wednesday because I wake up 
and my face is cramping. Like, it's like a shooting pain from my ear down to the bone that's you know, mm-hmm. protruding in my mouth. I'm like, like, I can't even open my face and my mouth to eat or take my medication. Like, it sucks. I got to go back to the hospital because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So, yeah. and it's muscle relaxers. And I don't even like taking medicine, period, because that shit is poison. Like, mm-hmm. I see my pops deteriorate from medication and I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not 100% against it, but it has to be a real, real necessity. So like now I'm already upset. One, because my I can't talk. I can't go to work. I can't do anything. Two, now I got to, you know, poison myself to feel better. Yeah. And three, I've displaced all these people, you know what I mean, to come help me. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to get depressed and all this craziness. Um, then... I made it through to then the follow-up. I had another follow-up the next Monday. So I went a whole week. And at this point, I didn't know my jaw was completely, or my chin was completely separated from my face. Like, I, I was um, using the airplane pillow to, like, you know, be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And, right. And when I would take it off, I would be like, how come I'm in pain? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I was just good. How come I take off this pillow? Now I'm hurting. Right. Yeah. So, Monday comes, finally getting x-rays, um, and they show me the x-ray. It blew my mind because I wasn't, you know, it didn't hurt when it happened. I'm like, how the hell did this kid hit me so hard? Like, my mom was like, he had to kick you in the face. I'm like, I promise you he didn't kick me. Like, yeah. I didn't fall or anything. Like, I just got hit. And, and then, um, then they told me, like, all right, we're going to admit you to the hospital tonight. You know, obviously nerves start hitting because I never, I've never been in the hospital for longer than you know, getting some stitches or getting a, yeah. a cast or something. You know what I mean? X-ray. So they yeah, maybe to the hospital. Like we were gonna wait another week for surgery, but we're gonna do it tomorrow. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. So in the hospital all night Monday, Tuesday evening or early afternoon, I go to surgery and like. I have like this weird ass fear of broken bones. I don't know why. Like I wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid and that that fear pushed me away from it. Yeah. Um, so I'm in like the OR prep area and there's people with like halos on everything. Like head, leg, arm. I'm like, yo, what happened to y'all? Like, And I'm just yeah. sitting here. I'm like <laughs> the most healthy person in the room and I'm like, I gotta calm down. You uh, know what I mean? And um, you know, the doctors come in, they give me the whole spiel, like, you know, this is what's gonna happen, this is how we're gonna do it. And then they start to sedate me. They sedate me, and I'm like, all right, I've had surgery before, you know, dental surgery, but still surgery nonetheless. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it because when I wake up, I'm not gonna remember anything and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna feel anything right away. So cool, right? Going to surgery. And when I'm willing into the room, I'm still attentive as hell, but I'm really, really geeked up. <laughs> so I'm looking, at, I'm looking around, and I'm like, I'm on the regular, you know, gurney or whatever, the hospital bed. And they're like, all right, we're gonna transfer you over to the operating table. I'm like, okay, cool. So they pick me up, and I'm looking at the table, and the table is like, I'm six one. The table is like the size of a coffee table. So I'm like, how the hell am I gonna lay on this table while y'all work? 
am I gonna be like dangling off? You know, my limbs like hanging. So yeah. I'm laughing at myself, you know, as they're as they're doing whatever they're doing. So, you know, obviously I fall asleep. And I fall asleep so calm because I'm like, yo, when I wake up, I'm just gonna wake up and my mom's gonna be standing there. So I'm like, yo, it went well. Uh-huh. Hell no. This was like the worst experience of my life. So I woke up, they're like, take a deep breath. Like, they weren't like, hey, Mr. Pleasant, you know, the surgery was a success, it went well, ran around you, you know, just it was like, hey, wake up, take a deep breath, pull out the breathing tube. And I'm like, I'm like choking. Oh, no. Right. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then immediately I felt pain. Uh, it was like they didn't give me any morphine, any anything. Like I felt all the cuts, all the bone in my face. Like it felt disgusting. I'm like bawling. I'm laying on the bed, like curled up in the fetal position. Dang. And it wasn't even like I was in my room. Like I was literally getting lifted up from the operating table back onto the gurney to get wheeled back to my room. So the lady who was wheeling me to my room. Like, I'm on a completely different wing of the hospital. Like, and so the lady was willing me to my room or to meet my parents, I should say, mm-hmm. stops and has a whole conversation with a dude in the hallway. As I'm screaming, I'm like, yo, this dude's standing here, you know, laughing and carrying on. And I'm standing here looking at y'all like, I'm not the one to call any woman out of her name. But that day I did it. <laughs> and I said it to my mom. I'm like, yo, this. This me having conversations in the hallway, da 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 da. And my mom, I don't know if she spazzed on her or what. But either way, I got to my room. They gave me morphine and everything was cool. The night after surgery, I spent it by myself. And at first I was kind of upset because my folks kind of left me. Or at least that's mm-hmm. how I felt. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I've been around all these people for like a week and a half. I kind of need some alone time. So yeah. that was cool, you know. And at this point, I had braces, like surgical braces, but they weren't shut. It was just like, you got the surgical braces screwed into your gums. Now you have four rubber bands mm-hmm. to like keep you stable as you heal. So I'm like, okay, cool. They're not gonna wire me shut. I'm whole nervous thinking I'm not gonna be able to like do anything. You know what I mean? So I'm up all night eating Jello. <laughs> Cause I hadn't eaten in a week for real, for real. I've been eating soup and shit. So I mean, Jello. I'm drinking Gatorade. I'm amped. I'm watching ESPN, like the basketball games. Are. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I can I can live with this. My nurses were cool. I didn't have a roommate. Like, it was I was just living in it. So the next day we go down for um, post op. Like uh, I forget what they called it. Either way, they went to look at how my mouth was clotting yeah. and to see if my uh, to see if the braces were holding properly and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the room, the doctor's looking at it. I'm like, yeah, doctor, you know, thank you. Like, yeah. mumbling these words. And he's like, he's like, bite down. I'm like, okay. I did it as well as I could. Like, I still can't really do it now. But he's like, your teeth don't line up like the picture you sent me. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, your teeth aren't lining up. And I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, okay, well, what's going to happen? He's like, we're going to have to strap you shut. So 
sort of hold you in place to your, to the point where your teeth are not in the middle correctly. And in my head, I'm like, stop. You don't need to do that. Like, I've yeah. been hit in the face before. Like, you know, I'm an athlete. You know, in the face playing basketball, when my face swells, my teeth don't line up. But once the swelling goes away, they go right back. Like, I've yeah. never had to have braces or anything. Um, But I know this. There's no way I'm going to explain this to the doctor. He's going to take my word for it because yeah. it's his work. He doesn't want any liability, right? So, you know, the little rubber bands they put on, like, regular braces. Yeah. The really, really small ones. Like, he took one of those, and he was just strapping me shit, like, uh. aggressively strapping me. So then he took this side. Like, it was weird as hell. It was like he strapped the back to the front. So it pulled my face, something crazy, and it was stretching my ear canal, like, to its fullest. Dang. So, like... As soon as he did it, it was excruciating pain. Like I couldn't even sit up straight. It was holding my body down like this. And uh, he was like, all right, you'll be fine. As I'm sitting there again, bawling my eyes out, crying in pain, no pain meds, no warning, no nothing. Like, all right, we're going to put these rubber bands on. Boom. I'm like, all right. So we're waiting for transport again to take me to my room. Nobody shows up. I'm like, fuck this, I'm walking. So... I'm walking through the hall, like holding my mom, bugging. And everybody's looking at me like, what's wrong with this kid? Like, yeah. But nobody's offering any type of assistance. And the person who was supposed to be um, transporting me back to my room is like standing in the hallway up against the wall on her phone. So I'm like, all right. So I get back to my room and give me morphine. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to stay here anymore. Yeah. This is like my third day here. I was like, I don't want to stay anymore. Just let me go home. And they, they let me go home. Um, home that's when it got bad like, i got morphine in my system a lot of it i'm taking oxycodone so like i'm at home but i'm not here for real this is just day one and i started to have like these vivid vivid dreams like how you can feel yourself sitting in your chair right now yeah like, that's how and whatever scenery it was in my dream, but I was asleep. I knew I was asleep, mm-hmm. but I couldn't shake the fact, like, I'm dreaming about shit from Central, no lie. Um, there was a girl on my bus, her name was Ashley. Like, she was an older girl. And I don't know why I was dreaming about talking to her in class for whatever reason, but it was like she was sitting dead in front of me. Like, I could feel her breath, like, coming out of her mouth, like, that vivid. Okay. And I woke up, and I was like, yo, I can't do this. I'm panicking because I can't open my mouth. Nobody can understand what I'm saying. I'm like, yo, somebody give me scissors. And I'm glad my mom did this because I don't know what would happen if she didn't. But she handed me the scissors and I went in the bathroom and I just had to sit there for a second like, all right, do I cut this open and destroy my face or do I just, you know, take it for what it is, dug this out and be cool in the end. So I was able to calm myself down with that. I was like, I don't want any, any further damage, so I'm just going to chill. Mm. Um, so I got past that hurdle. And then next, like I said, I'm watching it, so I can't, I can't put a spoon in my mouth to eat applesauce. Like, everything has to come through a straw or syringe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it got to a point one time where I was always eating on this side. This side, 
I don't know, for some reason it just didn't feel right. So I was, I was eating on this side. It got to a point where this side got too swollen. Mm -hmm. The muscles really, uh, they were really tense. So I couldn't eat for like three days. I was barely drinking any water. Like I lost so much weight. Like I was really, really small. Like, and um, I'm not gonna lie, like depression started to kick in. Like yeah. nobody could understand me. Not not just you know verbally what I was saying, but like I'm telling people what's going through my head, and they're like, "Man, we know you're stronger than that. Like we don't want to hear that." And I'm yeah. like, "Y'all gotta listen." Like, <laughs> so it got to a point where I, I didn't want, even want to interact with the people who were around me anymore. Mm -hmm. So. Like my mom, my mom and my dad were staying in my one bedroom apartment with me. Um, I can't sleep in my bed, so they got the room. I have to sleep like I don't even have the same living room furniture anymore, but I, I used to have this bigger couch, and I would have to sleep like sitting straight up yeah. because I couldn't put any pressure down on my face. Like I think it was some of stuff. Like I, even when I left the house, I I never I always felt like shit coming back. Like the one time I tried to link up with some friends. Um, I got something, some, one of the medications didn't agree with my stomach or something, so I got extremely nauseous. We get back to the house, you know, everybody's like, yo, you know, it's time for your antibiotics. And I'm like, I can't take that right now. If I take it, I'm going to throw up, and there's nowhere for it to go. So I'm not going to do it. They're like, well, what are you going to do if you get an infection? And, you know, really putting the pressure on me. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I tried to take it, and, you know, yeah. And the consequence of, you know, not listening to me. I thought I broke my jaw again and, you know, vomiting through braces. Like, that was the worst feeling ever. And, but I couldn't even emote how I wanted to because when they realized that they should have just listened to me, everybody was so bad. Everybody felt so bad for it. that I was like, yo, like, it's a mistake. But just... Like listen to me from now on. You feel me? Yeah. And that 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 day helped a lot. Um, but I was still really messed up. Like I was sitting there like thinking about revenge, like, you know, this dude is is mm -hmm. out hanging out with his friends and I'm stuck in the house for three months. You know what I mean? Um my like, dumb chill this dude, beat this dude up. But then you gotta snap back in your senses, like, bro, if somebody flicks you in your face, you're gonna go down. Like <laughs> you can't do anything. So now you feel powerless and then you feel helpless because you can't do anything for yourself. Now you feel powerless because you can't defend yourself. And then it got to a point where I was like just emoting for no reason. Like I'd be sitting in my living room and I'll be watching something funny or whatever. And I'll just be sitting there like, and I'll go into a trance of thought. And I can't even tell you what I was thinking about, but I'll just be sitting here. I'll be like, yo, something's not right. Mm. And I go like shut myself in the bathroom and fall in. And I don't even know why. Um, but I for sure, for sure, give all credit to people who helped take care of me. If they weren't here, like, I don't think anybody else could have handled that. Yeah. Like, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't aggressive, but I was angry. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, and they just, they just understood it. Like, one point, I, I even had to sneak out of my own house. <laughs> this is like, this is like a week after surgery. Um, like I said, my house was filled with people. So I was like, yo, this is too small of a space for all these people. Mm. So I called my cousin up. Hey, bro, are you at home? He's like, no, nah, I'm not. Well, I'm home now, but I'm about to go to work. And I'm like, yo, I'm about to come to your house. He's like, yo, 
stay there as long as you need to. <laughs> I, would, I would like leave my house. Like I know my parents didn't want me driving. I'm like, yeah, I gotta go grab something out the car and not come back for hours. Yeah. <laughs> And then I would just be like, yo, if my parents hit you up, just tell them I'm with you. <laughs> like, that experience right there, like, I almost wanted to quit a couple times. I just took it as, all right, this photography thing is something I really want to do. I'm ripping and running through life, though, so I'm not really putting the effort I need to put into it. So I just took it as that was the universe telling me to sit my eyes down somewhere and really think about what you need to put put priority on yeah. and what you need to focus on. Um so when I came out of it, like my like the depression was very short lived, but my job, my nine to five is about helping people go get through things that I went through. Like yeah. like things like what I went through. I mean it could be ten times worse, it could be the same level. Um but I didn't have the energy to even do that. And I really still don't. But I can't even tell you how I got past that part, honestly. Um, just wild. Like that, me knowing that I can't work my nine to five anymore, it was like wood for the fire. It was like, all right, we really got to put 100% effort into this. Yeah. And I'm out of work. I'm, now I can walk around. I, I still had, when I went back out into the clubs and I was starting to do those club shoots, I still had braces in my mouth. So I couldn't even talk to anybody if I wanted to. Like, I had to have somebody with me to, like, you know, be like, hey, my homeboy wants to, you know, or I just wouldn't say anything at all. I would just do it. But um, that played a major role in me, like, really putting in 100% effort into where mm -hmm. I am right now. Mm -hmm. And not to say that I don't want to say I'm grateful, but I'm not, I never, I never, regret anything that's taken place in my life or that I've done. Like, I feel like everything's a lesson and it was, it took place for a reason. You feel me? Yeah. So like, even though I was down, it was like, all right, I'm down. Now I'm on three months of vacation from work. So we're going to make this shake. Mm -hmm. Let's get, let's mount my TV on the wall. Let's buy 2K and we're going to be in here playing video games all, all day, yeah. every day and watching funny stuff all day, every day. I'm just going to take it as that. I'm getting paid to, paid to chill. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I stayed positive through it. Yeah. yeah. In the end, like, I still wouldn't change it. Like, I still feel it to this day. Like, right now, I feel it. Like, yeah. this whole side of my face is completely numb. Like, from here to here. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know when that'll come back or if it'll come back. But it just is what it is. Mm. I think I'm... I'm always amazed. Like, I think, thank you for sharing, by the way, because you didn't have to talk about what you went through. I'm just amazed to see the biggest smile on your face, you know, just like your outlook on life. Because, I mean, shit happens, right? There's stuff that happens to people all the time. And you have one of two ways of managing it. You're either going to have a positive outlook of, on it and make the most of it, or you're going to have a negative outlook on it but it doesn't change what happened. And so I admire you just to see that even through your struggles, you know, um, just having your support network around you and still choosing, even when all of that has happened, to still push forward and still make the most of it and still um, keep blazing towards your goals and your desires. Because I just, 
there's a lot of people that I know who, you know, something happens and that's it. You know, they're just like, ah, I'm done. But stuff happens to everyone in just in different ways. And um, we can't do anything about the stuff that happened, but we can do something about the way that we choose to respond to it. So, yeah. The art needs to be defeated. I think that's just a competitive firing. Yeah. (laughs) That's inspiring. No, it really is. It really is. Um, So, last question. (laughs) Because you've been talking for a while. I know you're like, all right, (laughs) is she done yet? No, Um, no, I'm not even pressed. You (laughs) do. Okay. If no one were to listen to anything but this last section of the podcast, what is it that you want them to take with them or just kind of um, just remember so something that you want to say? Hmm. I like that question. Yeah. All right. So I guess I would go with, I'm going to elaborate. I feel like I am anyway, but that perseverance is key. Mm. And it doesn't matter how how long it takes you to get over a hump. It doesn't matter what you do to get over a hump. All that matters is that you made it over it. Um, and that doesn't mean it has to has to require help. You can do it on your own. You know what I mean, just figure out your way to stay positive through all the negative stuff. And as cliche as it sounds there's always somebody who's worse than you. Like, there have, there have been times where I didn't have money and I would go out to eat, you know, spending my last to get some food and I'll end up with some leftovers. And, you know what I mean? Like, I see somebody on the street. And it's like, damn, I know I'm not going to have anything to eat later, but they don't have anything to eat at all. You feel me? Yeah. So I'll pass that off. And that's not to make myself feel better. It's just it that's how I that's how I remain humble. It always keeps me striving for more because I don't see myself as getting out of that, I don't want to say rut because rut sounds like I'm always in a negative space, but I'm just always striving to be better, a better me. Regardless of what aspect of it is of me it is, like it's gotta be better. I can't be the same person I was last week. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm learning something new every day. And that's another thing that keeps me persevering is the fact that I know something new is going to happen tomorrow and I get to experience. It's almost like the FOMO. Yeah. But for real life situations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) And um, where can people find your stuff? Your Instagram? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so my Instagram handle is at Killsmith. That's K-I-L-L-S-M-I-F-F. Yeah, that's that's where you can find me at. <laughs> Please follow. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I always share your stuff whenever I... And with friends, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. We just start talking about photos, and I'm like, oh look, <laughs> you know, just sharing. <laughs> I just because I'm all about supporting what my friends are doing, you know. And um, yeah, thank you, seriously, thank you. Considering you don't like talking, um, <laughs> as you you said it, not me. 
um, for taking the time to be interviewed and let me ask you questions and, and tell a little bit of your story. Sure, I appreciate you for extending the invite. And it was dope to catch up a little bit face to face. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our episode today. And if you have any questions or comments or would like to share your story, you can email us at healingbrokenheartsproject at gmail.com or DM us at healingbrokenheartsproject on Instagram or Facebook. Just a quick shout out as well to Swanson Beat Productions for making the beat that you hear on this episode today. For KP taking the time to interview with us and for all of you listeners for tuning in. Until next time.